subtitle, of course, Discipleship that Deeply Changes Our Relationships with Others. Uh, we've talked in this series already uh, four times about different things. First of all, that we use uh, the God-given voice that He gives us as new believers in His family, uh, that we work at stopping our mind reading and clarifying our expectations with each other. Uh, we become more self-aware of, of who we are, what drives us, and allowing the Lord to work there. And then last time, uh, listening incarnationally, really uh, listening in a way where we become uh, connected and one with the other that we're talking with and listening to. As you found through this series, I find that they all seem to kind of overlap. I mean, relationships are, uh, are complicated, and there's a variety of factors in all of them that seem to overlap with one another. Uh, today you'll find that as well as we talk about living a life of integrity. Um, you know, we all say we want to do that. We demand it. We demand it of certainly our politicians. We demand it of any leadership. We demand it uh, in all of our relationships daily. Uh, but it's a tough thing in our culture. We find people failing in integrity so many times. Um, our fallenness as humans shows up. <laughs> in a big way in this area because uh, uh, you, integrity is living true to what you believe. So what you believe is an important part of that. <laughs> you know, what do you believe? And that's a big deal in our world today too. But living according to what we believe with honesty and humility. Okay, living true to what you believe with honesty and humility. Now Paul wrote about his inward struggles as far as doing what he knew was right, doing what he really wanted to do in Romans 7, I've often said that I play golf like Romans 7. You know, I don't do what I want to do and I, don't, I do what I don't want to do. Okay, all right. Very rarely do I get to Romans 8 of my golf game. But anyway, um, but in Romans 7, Paul says this, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. And then he asks this question at the end of that chapter, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, he says, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Certainly we wrestle in life with Knowing Christ, but still finding in ourselves the challenges of decisions and actions that don't always fit what we know is right within. And so uh, this is part of our sanctification, part of our process, of course. And Paul continues his thoughts here in Romans 8 by saying this, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, and because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. A tremendous verse as we think about this being Pentecost Sunday, right? The Spirit of God, he says that. The life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now, in the passage that we're going to be looking at today in Galatians, it's interesting because certainly we all wrestle privately with integrity issues, and, and many times, uh, even in our small connections with family and friends, we might confront some things together, but rarely is integrity issues and, and failure confronted publicly, and when it is, it's such a, a difficult thing. 
But we find in this passage in Galatians that Peter is confronted by Paul about his actions that are giving a wrong message, a public issue of integrity. So I want to read that with you this morning, Galatians chapter 2, reading verses 11 through 16. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you are a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Paul says that he had to oppose Peter to his face because what he did was very wrong. The whole book of Galatians is really Paul warning the Christians there about falling into a works mentality after they had realized that the gospel was a gospel of grace. After they had come to faith in Christ because they were made aware that they could not pay for their own sins, that they could not earn God's favor on their own, and through the blood of Christ shed for them on the cross, through faith in what He had done, they received full forgiveness and a relationship with God, which is true of all of us. That's the gospel. All right. But what was happening was there was Jewish influence coming in. This was a problem in the early church on and on. where And, and as you think about it, you know, the first church, the church at Pentecost, was all Jews. They were all there at Pentecost to celebrate that Jewish holiday. And that's when they heard the message from Peter, okay? And that's when 3,000 plus were saved, and the church began. And they understood that it wasn't by being a Jew that a person could have a relationship with God. It was through the fact that through the Jewish race, God had brought a Savior, the one who would die for all people. And clearly in Peter's message at Pentecost, he made it clear that the gospel was for all. But it took a while even for the apostles to get that <laughs> because the church stayed Jewish for quite a while. All right, But it was through a variety of situations that God showed the apostles that he was about the whole world coming to know Christ. I, I don't know, anybody here, I won't ask you to say, but uh, I don't think there's probably many people here that have a Jewish heritage here. We're probably all pretty much Gentiles here, okay, people that don't have a Jewish heritage. So aren't we quite thankful that the gospel is for all people? Hey, amen, all right, hallelujah, that we can celebrate what God has done. 
But, but Peter here in this situation, um, he had been very aware of the fact of what God was doing, but compromised, compromised by his actions that truth. And Paul, as he's writing here to the Galatians, points out what took place there. If you read earlier in the chapter, you'll find him talking about all of the discussion about him being called to be missionary to the Gentiles and that he had a lot of interaction with the apostles and the church leaders to make sure they were on the same page and that he wasn't wasting his time. He talks about that, you know, it wasn't for naught. But, but, but he says here, this is an illustration how important this is. So this situation with Peter was really a major illustration of the importance of knowing and and showing that the gospel is faith in Christ alone and there's nothing to do with works or ethic or ethnical backgrounds so uh, the problem with Peter let's take a look at it uh, Paul in opposing Peter first we're told that Peter had stopped what he knew was right because of fear God had made it very clear to Peter that salvation was for Gentiles and not just for Jews, and that Jewish laws and tradition were not the way of salvation. How can I say that? Well, if you look back, and, and you don't have to, but you can look back at Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. There was an event that took place where Peter was taking a nap up on the roof. Okay? And during that time, he had a dream, a vision. And uh, you remember, it was a sheet. I love this vision because uh, as a Gentile Christian, I don't have to follow Jewish laws about what I eat. Because I like shellfish and I even like pork and all that stuff. But that's another thing. Okay. But anyway, he saw this sheet and uh, it had all those things on it. All these animals, all these things. And so uh, Peter, in his very Jewish way basically said in this vision when he was told to eat no 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 no. I won't do that you know I've never eaten those things I, I you know I'm, I'm very dedicated to my religious background and my faith and I, I'm not going to do that and happened three times okay he wakes up comes down somebody else had a vision and it was Cornelius and Cornelius was a uh, Roman soldier and uh, the spirit of God had been speaking to him and told him to send for Peter. So he sent his messengers to get Peter. So Peter comes out of this dream and this vision, and, and guess what happens? A Gentile wants him to come to his house, which was against Jewish tradition. Come and eat at his house. No, 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 no. But guess what? God had already spoken to his heart through this vision. So Peter goes, and you know what happened, right? Cornelius comes to Christ, all right? And so Peter comes out of that situation with this truth. He said in the Word of God there in Acts, his conclusion that is God does not show favoritism and full salvation and receiving the Spirit is for all who accept Christ. All right, he knew it. <laughs> he was living it. God had shown it to him. And he was a part of a lot of the discussion. And he was doing it there at Antioch for a while. 
because he was actually eating with the Gentiles, which would not have been a Jewish practice. They ate differently, okay? They didn't eat with the, you notice he quotes sinners, <laughs> he calls them sinners, but it's in quotes, okay? It's kind of like a sidewinder there saying, hey, that's not really what we're saying about them, but that's what the Jews are saying about them. But Peter had fallen into not doing that anymore when these Jewish circumcision-focused people came and he chose to eat with them instead. Doesn't sound like a big deal until you realize all the dynamics of it. Because the dynamics were that Peter had left the group that he was showing that they were all one by him eating with them to go back with the other group and saying, you're over here and we're over here, and it's not the same. You're not really at the level of true Christianity that this group that does all the Jewish stuff is. That's really what was being said. That's why Paul said, i got to confront this. This cannot go on. Paul was not acting in a rage. <laughs> he, he, he was not doing something just to show off that he was Paul and Peter was messed up. He was dealing with something that was important because it was the gospel, it was the basics that we all need to know. And if it's messed up with legalism and it's messed up with trying to earn our salvation in any way, it's not just Jesus. It's Jesus plus something else, which is not the gospel. All right? So that's what's going on here. All right. So it's a problem. And so uh, basically he was saying... Okay, Gentiles, yeah, I was with you, but now I'm over here, so now you basically need to also do all the stuff here that the Jews do in order for you to really be at the level that we are. No, 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 no. Paul says, no. And, and Paul certainly knew what it was to be a Jew. Matter of fact, in other passages of Scripture, he talks about who he was as a Jew, and he was more Jewish than a lot of people as far as his religious practice. He was a Pharisee. Okay. So Peter's actions gave a message to others that was different from what he believed. As we saw, Peter didn't really believe this, but he was acting as if he did. And so Paul's confrontation apparently was effective. We don't read about this anymore. Okay? Whatever happened here must have had the effect that Paul was looking for. Peter must have adjusted but it was interesting how much it influenced other people, what he was doing. You notice that in the text, right? It says that other Jewish Christians and even Barnabas were following Peter's hypocrisy. You know who Barnabas is, right? He was one that went with Paul on the missionary journey. Okay, then they had a difference about, the, uh, about John Mark, Barnabas' relative, because he didn't really do what he was supposed to do and left him and and so they split, and, but yet Barnabas continued to take the gospel. I mean, he was in it. He was the real deal. But yet, we find that this action by Peter even influenced him. You know, what we do does make a difference, doesn't it? I mean, we can say what we believe, but the way we act <laughs> says what we believe. And so it was messing people up. Boy, we don't want to do that. We say we don't want to do it, but sometimes we do things that do, do make that happen. That's what was going on here with Peter. And, and you know what it was driving Peter? The thing that drives us a lot of the times, fear. Fear, what other people are going to say, what other people think. 
You know, it sounds so silly when we can stand in an objective position like this and talk about it. But when you're in it, it's real. When you're in a situation where somebody that's important, somebody that matters to you, has a different perspective, and you're going to have to stand up against it, that's tough. And many times we can find ourselves falling in to fear. That's why there's so many passages in the Scripture about don't, fear, don't be afraid. God says, trust me, don't be afraid. Go my way, don't be afraid. Because the fear is going to get us into places that are not where God is. <laughs> that are not doing what He wants. But we're frail, aren't we? <laughs> we do fear. We have to wrestle with it all the time. We have to go to the Word of God and, and get back on track. We have to get back to what is true. And that's what certainly Paul is calling Peter to do and all the others as well. Fear often causes us to run the wrong way to the wrong place. And we need to recognize that and not let it take over. The other night I was downstairs, Betty had gone to bed, and I was downstairs working on my computer on some things, and I heard this rumbling around upstairs, and it sounded like somebody was tearing the house apart. I didn't know if Betty was having a fit or no, 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 it wasn't that. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I knew right away pretty much what it was. We have two cats, and I figured one of them was, well, they were probably chasing each other or something and knocking things over. So all of a sudden, down the stairs comes this cat into the basement. And there's some kind of a black thing on its back. And it's running like crazy. Scared to death. Somehow it got through the cat door to the other part of the basement. So I went into the other side, and she had hid behind the hot water tank, and she's going, you know, the cat thing. Yeah, you've you've heard that thing. That's like, scared to death here. Somebody help me. So, and she doesn't usually let me get too close to her. She's kind of one of those. But uh, she was desperate, so I got a hold of her, and she had got her head caught in a cloth bag and the so the the strap was around her neck and the more she ran and the more she twisted and the more she hit guess what that thing twisted and it was getting pretty tight around the neck so I was the cat rescuer and she's been treating me wonderfully ever since (laughs) she was desperate but I thought about that cat and I don't want to get off too far here but you know think about it Peter basically was running to what was comfortable. He was running back, trying to get away from something that he was afraid of by going with the Jews. The cat was doing that. You see it, right? Taking off. If I run faster, if I run harder, if I get out of here, it's going to be okay. And guess what? It was worse. And that's what we found here. And that's true of all of us, isn't it? When there's fear and we run, and we try to find our own comfort and we try to go our own way, Often it starts strangling us. It has a negative effect. So Paul's confronting him, certainly for the gospel, but it's also for Peter as well. So what do we find also here? As Peter returns to the comfortable crowd, he ignores those God had brought in. I think that's an important point for us today. You know, it's always more comfortable to be with something we have known or people that we have known or circumstances that we have known 
and people that we're like than it is with somebody that's new, somebody that's ethnically different from us. I think our culture today shows that. There's a lot of fear between people, a lot of fear between people of different thoughts, different looks, different languages. It's nothing new, by the way. It's been going on forever. (laughs) We think it's new. Oh, it's so terrible today. Well, yeah, it is. But guess what? It's always been terrible. And the solution is not all of the different (laughs) things that we hear it is. The solution, of course, is the gospel. The gospel is what brings people together. I mean, people can get together, but they're not really together unless the gospel is there. There's not a change of heart of people to love each other unless there's the gospel. It just doesn't work. We can try all kinds of things. And I praise God for people trying to find peace, and, and I think it's a wonderful thing, and it's a godly thing to seek peace. And people don't necessarily have to be godly to be doing it, but they're made in the image of God. But it really will not happen to the depth that God desires, and we all desire in our hearts without the gospel. Jesus is the key. And so we too can be sort of like Peter sometimes, though. And we can miss what God's doing, or we can even be an affront to what God is doing. We we can even be resisting what God's doing when, when we don't relate with people that are different from us that also have come into the family of God. It can happen, friends. It can happen in this room. It can happen in this room where somebody comes in and they look different, they think different, they've had different experiences. We're all different, I know that, but but sometimes it's more evident. And and our reaction is, oh, we might say hi and glad you're here, but but in reality we find ourselves going back over here with the people we already know. It takes a lot of intentionality, doesn't it, to not do that. And it's really easy, too, if you are (laughs) kind of have the mentality that I'm kind of hanging here. I mean, we've already kind of made up. We don't even say it, but it just kind of happens, you know, and and we find ourselves locked in to the group that we're with. Now, I believe God gives us tight fellowship groups so we can grow, and that's a good thing. But it doesn't need to negate the fact that we need to be open and loving to everybody else that have come into the family of God. Yeah. So let's think about that. Let's not be opposed by Paul. Let's make sure we're not sitting in the wrong place. And we're not leading other people away. Because there's no doubt that like Peter, what we do will not only influence the people that we're not reaching, but it will influence other people that look to us and do the same thing. And we don't want to mess others up in that way as well. A life of integrity is a life that's truthful. A life of integrity is a life that does what a person believes. And a life of integrity is a life that's connected. But a life outside of integrity we can call a divided life. And so I want to take a look at some signs that we are living a divided life. Some things to check ourselves on. A life without integrity. First of all, we care too much about what others think. We see that with Peter. And so we change what we say or we do according to what we think that somebody else is thinking and what they want. Secondly, we spin the truth and exaggerate or lie to make ourselves look better. 
It can be just little things, but this can become habitual. We have to be careful. It is a slippery slope. Third, we blame others rather than taking responsibility for our words and actions. Accepting responsibility is a highly important part of integrity. If I did it, I own it. And even if I didn't do it, I own the part that I play in it. The next thing is we avoid confrontation. Sort of like my cat. Flight is our natural reaction. (laughs) Try to get away. We don't respond. We block things out. We try to ignore. And then finally, we say yes when we prefer to say no. We all have limits and we have uniqueness as well. We can't do everything. We shouldn't be trying to be everything. We can be everything to everybody as far as the gospel is concerned, but not in the way of belief. So we must be caringly honest in what we say and do. It's certainly a challenge, isn't it, to live a life of integrity. Paul said that himself in Romans 7 and 8. But he also said it's Jesus Christ who gives us the victory. As we find victory in this area, there is great value. These proverbs speak to the benefit and blessing of living a life of integrity. Proverbs 10.9, people with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. Proverbs 20, verse 7, the godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. Very significant as we have a baby dedication today. Proverbs 2.7, he grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. And Psalm 119.1, joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. What great promises. We're safe. Our children are blessed. We have wisdom and common sense. God shields us and we find joy in a life of integrity. Integrity is not something that we just kind of take for granted. (laughs) All right, I'm a Christian. Everything is just going to kind of be straight up and going. You're you're in a battle, friends. It doesn't happen that way. The devil is after you. We're fighting spiritual battles all the time. He will try to discourage us by our failures. And, and, And Peter could have said, oh, man, I've messed up. And that's the end. That wasn't what happened. He got back on track. You know, we get back on track. God is merciful every day. His mercies are new, right? So, you know, hey, as we say about these areas that where we fail in integrity, I'm sure we all could raise our hands and say, yeah, I've been there. I do that. That doesn't mean it's time to quit. <laughs> that means it's time to take note, right? It's time to say, okay, Lord, help me here. It's time to say, help me next time not to be there, to make choices, to make changes. So, Today, I'm going to suggest that we consider a ladder of integrity for us to climb as we make decisions in life. Now, it might be a little hard for you to see, um, but I'll go through it. But these uh, little slips of paper are out there on the counter. Okay, you can pick one up and take it home. But this is not for you to give to somebody else and say, hey, you know, your integrity is all messed up. You need to follow this ladder right here. I'll help you right now. Okay, no, no, not that idea. All right, now these are for you. These are questions for you to ask yourself as you try to live a life of integrity, as you deal with certain issues in life. So we start at the bottom of the ladder, and you figure, okay, what's the issue I'm dealing with, all right? 
What does God put on your mind? I believe that the Lord does put things on our mind and heart that we need to deal with. I don't know what that is. I'm not here to tell you what that thing is. All right, But you know, where, where's an area where I've been struggling with? Maybe I'm not really living up to what I know is true. Okay, Or, or somebody's pushing on me in that area and, and it's creating, creating problems. And, and number two is, okay, let's be honest with ourselves. I'm anxious in talking about this because, remember, fear is a big deal. Fear is what limits us. So let's, let's face it, right? Let's face the fear. Okay, what am I anxious about? Third, and then be honest with ourselves. Integrity is, okay, I got some responsibility here. My part in this is what? Let's find that out. Take a look at it. And then fourth, my need in this issue, and we all have needs. Sometimes that drives us other directions. Five, my feelings about this are. Six, what my reaction tells me about this is. Seven, this issue is important to me because I value, this just gets back to our beliefs, and I violate that value when. Like in Peter's case, okay, he did value down deep the fact that the gospel was for all people, but he wasn't acting appropriately. So he had to take a good look at that. That's why the issue was important. And number eight, I am willing or not willing to. Let's be honest with ourselves, right? What am I willing to do? And maybe the Lord needs to make me willing where I'm not willing to. And we can pray that way. Lord, I'm willing, but make me willing where I'm not willing. And he will. He'll help us. He's not going to slap you and hurt you, but he's going to help you and get you where you need to be. And number nine, one thing I could do to improve the situation is, number ten, ten the most important thing I want you to know. Okay, so uh, that's a, a statement that you would make to somebody that you're working through something with. And number 11, I think my honest sharing will benefit our relationship by staying on the positive, trying to get to a place where there is a good resolve. And number 12, I hope and look forward to. This latter is to help us as we deal with issues so that we don't just react, we don't run, <laughs> we don't uh, ignore, but rather we face it. In all of this, we find it in all of life, don't we? Integrity matters in your marriage, in your daily relationships, in your work situations, in your church connections, anywhere that we interact with others and issues arise. Sometimes it gets really tough. You know that your boss at work is wanting you to act in ways that violate what you know is right. And if you were to confront it, that could be the end of your job. You have a friendship relationship that you need to confront because there's a lack of integrity. You could lose the friendship. I mean, we know how hard it is. We've all lived through it. We're living through it. But the challenge to us is, is God able? <laughs> is God able to help me to be who he calls me to be? The answer certainly is yes. He's given us all that we need, the Bible says, for life in Christ. He's given us all that we need to face the things that we're afraid of. He's given all, us all that we need to, to deal with things that seem beyond our ability to get through. And he receives the glory when we trust him and act in obedience. 
Now, living a life of integrity certainly demands honesty. It demands commitment and intentionality. But it definitely demands humility. Admitting our need. Realizing that we're not always right. Realizing we need to forgive or to understand or to whatever it is we need to admit to. Willing to forgive others and especially ourselves. And certainly willing to accept the Lord's help. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? But it isn't, is it? You ever find yourself uh, thinking that you're depending on the Lord for His help and you really aren't? When you really take a good look at yourself, you realize, I've been kind of doing this on my own. Lord, help me. And then I kind of go on and do it. I've just been confronted about that myself many times recently. If I really give it over to Him, I really believe He could do something in a way that maybe I hadn't thought of. Yeah. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There was a victory in Antioch because Paul stood for the truth, even in the face of a brother that he loved. And we're here today because of that. We're here because of Jesus, but you know, His people throughout time have continued to really strive for what is true. And that day in time in Galatia, as he spoke to those Galatians, and he shared this story about Antioch where he had confronted Peter, those were times where God was making sure through his leadership that the gospel remained the true gospel. Now, dear friends, that's still needed today, isn't it? Because there's a lot of people that aren't preaching the true gospel. There's a lot of people that are believing a lot of different things that really aren't true. Many ways to God. You can kind of do your own thing. You know, it doesn't really matter. God's loving. You know, everybody's okay. Not true. Nobody's okay is the real truth. And there's only one Savior. And He loves you and He died for you. And without Him, you're lost. But with Him, you're saved forever. And it's for all people, not just for the select few. God is not willing that any should perish. He has withheld His judgment of the coming of Christ, Peter talks about. He says, you think He's slow? No, He's waiting. Aren't you glad He waited for you? He's waiting for some others you know, too. Yeah. Let's live a life of integrity for the sake of the gospel so that others will believe and grow and become all that God wants them to be so that the world will know so that that what Jesus said would happen at Pentecost as the Spirit came upon His people and that we would become His witnesses both here in Carlisle and Cumberland County and Pennsylvania and even to the whole world. Praise God. He's at work in you and in me. And don't think that you can just kind of go on and not pay any attention and it won't matter. 
I remember my parents and grandparents at times saying, now you know your sin will find you out. You ever hear that? Do you know that's from the Bible? Yeah. You know, some things people say aren't from the Bible, and they try to make it sound like the Bible, but no. This is from the Bible. Numbers 32, 23 says, If you fail to keep your word, then you will have sinned against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. We don't get away with living a life outside of integrity. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for being here. Thank you for your love. Thank you that we can read your word, study your word, and hear through your spirit the truths of your word that touch the depths of our hearts. Lord, may we be like Paul at times, where when something is not true to your gospel, that in a proper way we would try to deal with that. May we be like Peter, that even though we have gone the wrong way, that we would listen to someone like Paul and move back to where we belong. And in all of it, Lord, may we be true to you. May we listen to your spirit. May you guide us into deeper integrity, a life of honesty, a life that's true to what we believe, a life of humility. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.